Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 240. Today's show is brought to you by Bombus, FreshBooks, and Text Expander. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm very good. Steven didn't get the limerick he was looking for, so he's he's still not here. Was that those no, riddles we were asking people to send to him, right? He's still thinking about them, mm-hmm. so that's why he's not on the show. He's uh, trying to solve all of the riddles. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... You get to go first today, Mike. Are you happy that you that you can go first? The well, intro? no, no. I was introducing you, though, right? Like that's that's the thing. This is a, an even episode. This is a Federico Vitici episode. Do you want a better introduction? No. Do Do you also want to reintroduce you because I went first? Oh, and uh, I'm also joined <laughs> by Mike Hurley. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. By myself. <laughs> We have no follow up, but uh, I uh, I do I wanted to give some like just points of information for our listeners. This is a new thing on the show. Points of information. Um, they're both WWDC related. One is a an event that I think people should be looking into if they haven't already, um, which is called Backstage at the Keynote, which is a mm-hmm. WWDC Apple themed escape room. Now, do you know, Federico, do you know what escape rooms are? No, honestly, I was I was asking you, like, I think I'm familiar with the idea mm-hmm. that people like voluntarily lock lock themselves into a room as some kind of game. Yep. I don't, I'm trying to understand why, why is that funny? So you and a group go into a room, right? And the, and there's like a scene that is set up for you as to why the door of the room that you're in is locked, right? Like there's like a fiction that is created. And then there is a selection of puzzles in the room that if you solve all of the puzzles, you get clues and those clues will lead you to be able to do whatever it is to unlock the door, whether you need a code for a keypad or you have to get a specific key, which is locked in something inside the room or something like that. So there's like a set of puzzles that you need to complete as a way to be able to get out. Now, I've been to a, a conference a couple of times called the All Conference that was in... Ireland. And people pay for this? Yes, it's a lot of fun. It's like a... I, I, see, this, I have no, we have no shared references because like the references... Do you know what the Crystal Maze is? What? Exactly. No. We have no shared references here. But it is effectively... It's like a video game in real life. It's like... Uh, Can't those, you just play a video game? You know, the, you know those games, The Room... Where you have like that room, like the iOS game, so you have to like do all these little things to unlock these little puzzles or whatever. It's kind of like that type of thing. And yes, you can just play a video game, but this is an in-person experience that you can experience with your friends, right? Mm. So anyway, uh, a couple of years ago, I completed a two separate w- Apple-themed escape rooms created by a friend of mine called Chadwick, and this year he is bringing that to WWDC. Now there, I cannot believe there are still tickets available to this but it might be because people just don't know it's happening so i figured that i would let people know i think they're doing it at all conf um it's at escape the keynote dot how which is a great <laughs> just a great uh url um and i have a ticket i have a set of tickets i'm assigning one to federico i'm gonna make him do it with me so he can understand why oh, it's fun God. Oh. it's really really good fun just trust me on this one if you're going to be at wwdc buy some tickets and go to do the escape room can you still get out even if you don't solve the puzzles yes 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 yes. you're not literally locked in a room right the door's just closed you got to play within the fiction you know Mm, this requires a lot of imagination yes it does Mm. 
but Chadwick paints very. He has incredible props, and he paints a good picture. Uh, not literally, okay. figurative pictures. I, I have had a this. ton of fun with you. Trust, I think you are going to love this because I know the type of person you are, and I think you are the perfect type of person for an escape room. You just don't really have much of a I concept just, of what it is. Yeah, I, I, I think I have a few friends who've done them. Like, yeah. um, somebody a while ago was talking about like a like a Legend of Zelda themed escape room. Yes, that they went on tour with that, and I missed it, which is really yeah. upsetting. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll try the Apple one and see what it's like. This will be a topic on the show, I suppose, eventually. Okay. Yeah, I want if I want to want to talk about it, especially because we're one hundred percent going to win it, right? Like, I feel like that's just going to be the way. Uh, this also does remind me to mention we still have uh, we have an increasingly small selection of tickets left for our WWDC live show. Um, they are selling out. It will sell out. So get your ticket if you want it. If you're going to be in or around San Jose on June the 5th, you don't want to miss out on our show. Federico has surprises apparently, uh, which is a terrifying prospect. Um, but you It's wanna... all ready to go. Oh gosh. It's all ready to go. We have we only have a small amount of tickets left in the balcony. Um, so if you want to come, you should, and you should get one. And there'll be a link in the show notes to that so you can get a ticket for yourself. Uh, Federico, on last week's episode, you had just very, very recently to the episode beginning taken receipt of the new 2018 iPad Pro Bridge keyboard. Um, yes. And so I expect you have been using it for the entire week. And I will be, I'm very keen to know your thoughts and feelings on this because I'm dying to get one and I just want to know yes. how good or bad it is. Yeah. So people have been asking me, can you write uh, an article on Mac stories about the bridge keyboard? And and I should, I just have been busy working on this very long story that I'm preparing for the near future. And I've been using the bridge keyboard to to write this story. And uh, I, I mostly, I think I can confirm my first impressions were mostly uh, accurate, I think. Um, the keys definitely, definitely feel different to me. Um, the... Uh, coming from the uh, from the first bridge keyboard, the one that I had with the old iPad Pro, the texture feels smooth, and maybe the keys are a little more mushy, maybe than the old one. They're not bad; it's just a different feeling, and it's it. They're not as clicky as the Magic Keyboard, I would say. Hmm. They're not as clicky as the Smart Keyboard. They are softer, and um, it's something that I think you can get used to it. I think it's fine. Um, I ha- I have discovered. Thanks to um, somebody on YouTube, I think, and maybe even peeking, which I never do, at the instruction manual. Uh, I never look at these things, but for some reason I did this time. Um, that Even though the bridge keyboard does not have a Siri key to invoke the assistant, um, what you can do, for some reason, you're able to long press the lock key that normally activates the lock screen, and that brings up Siri on the iPad. So on the bridge keyboard, if you long press the lock key, which is in the uh, the top left corner next to the home button key, that will bring up Siri. And also, even though this keyboard does not have a key to cycle through uh, software keyboards that you have installed on your device, like English, Italian, and I don't know, Yoink, you know, all these custom, all these keyboards and custom keyboards, it does not have a, uh, the globe, you know, the globe button that some keyboards do, uh, but you can replicate that. The bridge used to, didn't it? 
I'm not sure. I think it did. I think it did. Well, it's not here anymore, but there's a keyboard shortcut, which I think, if I remember correctly, should be Control-Shift-Space. Or maybe... Yeah, I think it's Control-Shift-Space. It's printed on the instruction manual for the keyboard. So, for some reason, though, it cycles backwards. So, it starts from the bottom and it goes all the way to the top. Normally... You know, the, the, the toggling between multiple keyboards should happen from the top to the bottom. But anyway, at least there's a way to uh, show, you know, when, you, when you're typing with an external keyboard, the software keyboard is hidden by default. So there's a button in the top no row. I had no idea that that keyboard shortcut existed. Yeah, me neither. I'm so, doing it with uh, a magic keyboard right now on my iPad. So it's not just a bridge thing. it works? Yeah. Oh, perfect. Well, uh, thanks to Bridge for printing it on the manual. Uh, but now, wh- why is this useful? Well, if you keep a custom keyboard installed on your iPad, like, for example, let's use Yoink, which is an excellent uh, clipboard manager and shelf app. Um, let's say that you want to switch from the from the normal English keyboard to the Yoink keyboard, which is, uh, of course, a software keyboard. Uh, so you're typing with a Bridge keyboard. No software keyboard is shown on screen. What you do is you press the key the physical key uh, button in the keyboard, which is next to the brightness one, that will pop up the software keyboard. And then you start uh, cycling through all your all of your installed keyboards until you reach Yoink. Then when you're done with Yoink, you cycle back to the main Apple keyboard and you uh, and you hide the keyboard again with another uh, by pressing the same button on the Bridge keyboard. Works really nice, and if you use a custom keyboard, it's really convenient. I mean, even more than just custom keyboards, if you want to get emoji... Oh yeah, totally. Right. If you want to get emoji, exactly. Right. Yes. That's what I. That's Thank what you. I have always wanted those shortcuts yes. for, and why I'm now pleased. I know how to do it with my magic keyboard too, because previously I would just have to long press on the down arrow <laughs> and wait yeah. for the keyboard to come up, and then press the yeah. globe key. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. Jason Snell is in the chat room, and he's saying he has a Siri key on the bottom left corner of his bridge keyboard. Uh. <laughs> It does not bring up Siri. It's a dictation key. Uh, uh, it's not a Siri key. Uh, um, so if I exit... Yeah, this is a dictation key. In fact, if you uh, open Spotlight and press this key, uh, in theory, it should open dictation. It does not open Siri for me. So that's interesting. Hmm. I wonder what's going on here. Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying this right now. And... Oh, now it brings up Siri. So this is interesting. Okay. Well, I got to look into this. So there's a Siri key. All right. But sometimes it opens dictation. It opens dictation. This is weird. I guess right. it depends on the context. I maybe. guess it depends on the context. Co- maybe. If that you're writing be, text, I- it makes most sense for it to be dictation. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. In hmm. any case, you can also long press the key, the lock icon and the, the lock key. And that will also work uh, for some reason. Um, I, ha- I have experienced the occasional... Bluetooth weirdness mm. um, when typing, which is not really, I guess, it's it's not really a bridge thing because I have this problem with the uh, Logitech Slim Folio Pro as well. And I do not have this problem with the smart keyboard because it uses the smart connector. Sometimes when I'm typing, uh, it's like occasionally uh, the typing slows down and it needs to catch up. <laughs> so you, you, like it slows down for a couple of seconds and then you see all the letters uh, pop up on screen in <laughs> very As far way. as Bluetooth bugs go, that's the least annoying. It's, it's exactly. I have not experienced any disconnections or any problems with pairing. Just sometimes... Or dropped keys. That was always the problem with the original bridge keyboards. Yeah, yeah. 
this is totally fine no dropped keys everything is good just occasionally you know it slows down for like a second and then it catches up again mm-hmm. um but that's totally fine but it's something that i've noticed um what else um i haven't used the media mode yet which would be that you uh that you flip the screen um uh so that it's not facing the keyboard but it's facing outwards and uh bridge says this is great for watching movies or uh you know playing games or stuff like that I just I've just been working and typing with this keyboard, so I have not uh, tested the media mode yet. It looks kind of ridiculous because you effectively have an iPad that is not facing the keyboard. It looks like you put it on the wrong way, <laughs> uh, but it it can be used in in that orientation if you so like. Uh, but it's just not something that I've done myself. Um, it is excellent for uh, traditional laptop usage. So mm-hmm. put it on your lap, start typing. This is classic bridge design. It's stable, it's sturdy, uh, it doesn't move, the hinges are good. Um, it feels nice. It feels like a like a laptop, but it doesn't have a trackpad, which of course that that's another discussion. But yeah, it's uh, I've been working with this keyboard in my car, at the kitchen table, at my desk, on the sofa, in bed. It's perfect. So if you want to have a laptop experience with an iPad, this was true with the bridge keyboard before. It is true with this bridge keyboard now. Uh, it works great on your lap. Um, it is easy enough to remove the iPad from the very small hinges that attach to the the clip on to the bezels of the iPad. Uh, you can just you know uh, hold the keyboard down with one hand and pull the iPad is up it with another easier hand. Easier to do now that the clips are smaller. No, I think it's mostly the. I, maybe it is a bit easier. I wouldn't want it not, to be too easy because that would mean it would probably fall. It's out, not too easy. Right? It's not yeah. too easy. But but do not lift the iPad uh, and expect the keyboard to follow necessarily. Like if you need to grab oh, this keyboard from no. the table, that's do different. grab the keyboard. That's do very not different. Grab the screen because I used to just pick up the iPad all the time, and the keyboard would come with it. I mean, look, this is not surprising because the clips are so small now because the bezels, right? But it's just something to remember to like, basically, I've got to pick it up how I pick up a laptop, which was not what I did with the old bridge. The old bridge, I would just pick up the iPad and the keyboard would come with it. But like, I would never pick up a laptop by the screen, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I just have to pick it up by the base would be my assumption. Yeah, I picked it up uh, one time. I don't know. I don't even know why from the screen. And the keyboard uh, thought, you know, I'm not going to follow you. And so... <laughs> I'm good here. <laughs> I'm good on the table. Thank you. So the, the keyboard uh, very quickly dropped on the table and the dogs were really scared by that, uh, by that sound. And the That's iPad... A lot. Uh, That's a lot of metal. Remains in my hands. Okay, <laughs> so okay. that was fun. Uh, so do not grab it from the iPad. I also have the back cover that uh, it is completely optional. It mm-hmm. is... Uh, you can remove it. Uh, it's some kind of leather. I don't know if it's real I leather. I think it's probably like, pleather, right? Like it's, it's like, fake leather or whatever it's yeah, called, it's, plastic I leather. I think it's synthetic, synthetic yeah, leather, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's fine. It's got, a, it's got a bridge logo, which apparently is the letter Y, uh, printed uh, sort of a... Uh, what do you call it? I when think, like, isn't that like the... Um, isn't that how you draw a bridge? Like, isn't that the symbol for a bridge in techno, like in in uh, electronics? Is it? 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Trying to help you. Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this is I think one of those fine. things where like Stephen would 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 like would be able to help us. Like, oh, that's like a thing, right? But I I don't know. Uh, I've I've been uh, spending way too much time obsessively trying to fit the precisely cut corners of this leather cover around the shape of the clips. <laughs> so they have like an L shape um, cut. Uh, to sort of try and fit the, uh, you know, the, the clips around the cover. And the more that I try to adjust them to make sure that the, that the cover is perfectly flush against the clips, the more I move it on one side, then it changes on the other side. So it, it's oh. not a perfect match. There's mm. like a millimeter gap, mm. which is really not a problem, but it really bothers me visually speaking that I can see one millimeter of aluminum in the back of the... Uh, of the device, but yeah, I'm keeping this cover because of uh, protection, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I like not having the naked um, side of the iPad. You know, it protects it from scratches and stuff like that, which is good. So overall, um, I guess your question at this point would be: Is this the best keyboard that you can buy with an iPad Pro? Is this your favorite keyboard? Is this the one? Um, so you you would think I would say yes. Um, my only, it's a great keyboard, and I, I think it's the one that I'm going to keep using to write all my stories and to write the iOS review. My only, not a concern, but thing that I've noticed is that I have been missing the Slim Folio Pro this past week. And I think what I've been missing is is a few things about that keyboard. So the fact that there's not the the iPad when I'm using the Slim the Slim Folio Pro the iPad is closer to my eyes because the the base because the keyboard does not have that huge palm rest area that the bridge keyboard has mm-hmm. which is where a trackpad would normally go so the iPad is a bit closer to me because with the Slim Folio Pro you just have a keyboard in front of you you don't have those I don't know eight centimeters of um, blank uh, you know uh, um, keyboard area but it's not really a keyboard so the iPad is a bit closer to me and the cover case uh, also protects the pencil which the bridge keyboard does not uh, it doesn't It doesn't have a, f- a flap that goes over the pencil and um, I don't know if I ever told you this Mike but are you familiar with the thing I've been doing with the uh, kickstands on all my iPad keyboards have I ever shown you or told you about this? All right, so um, <laughs> all right, so all my keyboards. So I have an Italian smart keyboard, a US smart keyboard, and the Slim Folio Pro, and also a Smart Folio. So I have four different type of keyboards or covers that I tested with the iPad Pro. This is a tip that somebody last year gave me on Twitter, and sorry that I, uh, you know, I don't remember your name, but you know you are. Um, Spigen, are you familiar with Spigen, the accessory maker? Oh, I think you've mentioned this. Yeah, go on, go on. So they make a metal kickstand for smartphones, which is like a little kickstand. It's like three centimeters that you attach with adhesive tape to the back of a phone, and there's a little uh, steel foot that you, you know, uh, you basically you you pull back and you can use a phone with a kickstand. Yeah. Um, 
But what I, what I started doing last year is I've been putting two of these metal kickstands on the back of the smart keyboard and also the Slim Folio Pro so that when they're opened, they create a touch mode. So if I don't want to use the smart keyboard, I can, I can flip open these kickstands and they let me use the iPad in touch mode with the software keyboard at an angle. How does this work? So I'm going to send you pictures. And I, and I, I promise that I would write about this on Mac Stories, but it's just I'm busy on another story at the moment and I really don't have time for this. But basically I put it one on the right side, on the right side, the other on the left side. So they are perpendicular to each other. And I flip them open. Then I fold the keyboard underneath and they create an angle, like a, I don't know, a 30 degree angle or something, so that I can use the iPad in touch mode and they're actually stable enough. But it's to strong hold enough. The iPad. Like you could tap yes. the top of the iPad and it doesn't. Yes. It doesn't like poke a hole in the cover. No, it, it does not. Um, trust me. It's an amazing setup, and I've been sticking... The, uh, the thing is, I've been buying these kickstands from Amazon US because they're not available in Italy. And so every few weeks, I order a couple from Amazon, and I have them shipped to Italy. Um, I'm going to try and send you pictures that maybe you can put in the show notes because it's a thing that you got to visualize. Yeah, um, I need to see this. Like, people need to yeah, see what you're so, doing here. Yeah, and um, so, yeah... Uh, with the Slim Folio Pro, I also put a couple of kickstands in the back of the cover so that when I'm tired of using the hardware keyboard or if I just want to use touch for some reason, like playing a game or something, um, I can just uh, fold the cover, open the kickstands, and use touch mode. And this is, of course, of course, not possible with the bridge keyboard because it doesn't fold under the iPad, right? It just it's a, it's a laptop setup. So I've been kind of missing that. Um, but to answer your question, it was so a this, long Because so the, they have different modes, right? Like they have a, what they call movie mode where you kind of flip it around, but that's not strong enough. It bounces around too much, more than your speak and sound. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. With the bridge keyboard, the media mode, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, don't try and type with right. that mode. Okay. The it, the iPad basically just bounces. It's merely meant <laughs> all the for time. like looking at things only, not looking at things. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So in my what which iPad keyboard is in my future? I think the Bridge keyboard. If you do a lot of typing and if you want to use the iPad as a laptop, right? It's the best the, straight the best keyboard. Option. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. If you want to be a little more experimental and you want to have a smaller. Um, you want to have a, a keyboard that makes the iPad closer to your eyes because it doesn't waste space with an empty trackpad area. Yeah. And you want to have something that is more a little more portable, maybe because you know you can you can use it yeah. as a cover. You can, but yeah, not really. That I can't much abide by the case that they make you put. Like it's just too the much. The case for me. of the Slim Folio Pro is extremely bad in the sense that removing the iPad from those rubber angles those rubber corners that they have it, it's terrible yeah. like you gotta press on push on that rubber to remove the ipad it's awful but i love the cover and the fact that it protects the pencil and the fact that it supports the teachy setup which is what i'm gonna call with the kickstands so 
uh, Logitech, if you're listening, I <laughs> I put two kickstands on the back of your, your right. unit. I hope Look, you won't mind. I need to understand this kickstand thing. So we're going to take a break. You need to send me some pictures. Oh and my then God, we're gonna yes. t- I want to, I want to, we need to talk about these kickstands because I need to okay. see what this looks like. <laughs> All right. Let me try and, oh my God, how? Okay. Just take, um, just take some pictures. You, yes, you can do yes. this. I believe in you. Yes. Okay. All right. Today's episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. Everyone loves to save time, but saving time also means saving money if you're a freelancer, which is incredibly important. If you work for yourself, time and money become precious resources. And our friends over at FreshBooks can help you save hundreds of hours with their super simple cloud accounting software that is built for freelancers just like you. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. They have a great system when you log in called their notification center. It's like your personal assistant when it comes to dealing with the finances in your business. You'll always know what's changed since the last time that you logged in and what needs to be dealt with immediately. So you can get that all there as soon as you log in, which is awesome. Whenever you send an invoice to a client with FreshBooks, it will show you whether they've seen it. This puts an end to any guessing games. And you can also even automate late payment email reminders too. So you'll know that you don't have to chase it up. FreshBooks will take care of it for you. FreshBooks is like a partner for you, you know, like it's it, they help you, right? And that's what I love about FreshBooks. They have tools and systems in place to help take away some of the frustrating parts doing what it is whatever you what doing what it is that you want to do. If you're listening to this and not yet using FreshBooks, now's the time to try it. They're offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show. No credit card required. All you have to do, go to freshbooks.com/connected and when they say, "Hey, how did you hear about us?" you say from Connected on Relay FM. So go to freshbooks.com/connected to get that unrestricted 30-day free trial. Our thanks to FreshBooks for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, I sent you the pictures. And And are these pictures that I can share with our audience? Sure, you can put them them in the the chat room, but I'll try and send you a better one for the show notes. Okay. (laughs) Maybe. Um, Mm, Okay, all right, I see what's going on here. Yeah? Okay. So you have two kickstands Uh in the back of the... That's the smart keyboard, but it's Mm -hmm. basically the same setup with the Slim Folio Pro. Uh, you have two kickstands in the uh, the bottom of the smart keyboard. You open them, you fold the keyboard underneath, and you have the iPad in touch mode at an angle. And it works because when you fold the keyboard, iOS automatically uh, engages the software keyboard again. So you can use the... And it's very, they look small, but it's very stable. I've been using this in touch mode for months, and it's totally awesome. So... Um, that would be the Tichy setup. So this is how you have it set up on the smart keyboard, right? Yes. It's the same on the Slim Folio Pro. Okay. I'll make sure that yeah. there's images in the show notes so people can go and can go and look at this. Um it'll also be a chapter artwork if you use an app that shows the chapter artwork. I'll put that in there. Yeah, you right know, now. you can actually use these pictures and yeah. they're not terrible. So you Great. can use these pictures. I will yeah. do that. Wow, look at this. <laughs> I'm gonna say though. It looks super precarious. It's not really, um, because they, you know, if you, if you, I, I did, of course, multiple tests before pl- actually attaching them to the iPad, and uh, they never close accidentally for me. 
Um, now, I don't know if you actually try and stab the iPad instead of typing like a normal person, they probably would break. But honestly, just typing in touch mode, sending a few tweets, writing a link post on Mac Stories, totally fine. So like you would use these to just whatever, like you just don't want to use, you just don't want to have the keyboard in front of you anymore and you're just like poking around. Yeah. yeah. Um, Matthew is asking in the in the chat room, does it dent the case? So I use this on the uh, oh, on the Italian smart keyboard that I had uh, for three months maybe before um, before moving to a US smart keyboard um, I can see that there's a there's a very small dent in the case so if that's a if that's a problem for you uh, this is gonna happen I'm not sure how you can mitigate the issue maybe by I don't know, having stickers or some other kind of protection where the kickstand is attached, uh, I can notice a, a small uh, dent in the in the co- in the cover of my smart keyboard, but it's really small and it's not a it's really not an issue, honestly. And let me look on this uh, US one. But um, so these kickstands, do you, how do you get them to level out, like? Do you just extend them to the maximum each time? Because like, is, is the iPad mean? not like misleveled? Because it's two independent things that you have to extend, right? Yeah, but you you attach them so that they are at the same um, level in the sense that they are perpendicular to each other. Well, that takes some so, time to set up. No, not really, not really. Uh, I I put the iPad flat on a desk. And I just I I put them roughly at the same height. I think I use a I use the measuring tape to make sure they were at the same distance on both sides, um, so that it's actually quite precise. Mm. Yeah. Very nice, Federico. Yeah. Look, it's a it's a it's a life hack, right? It's a it's not perfect. Ideally, there should be a built-in mode for this, maybe. Uh, but it works and. I'm not particularly bothered by the small sign that is left on my on my smart keyboard. The US one actually has no signs. So um, it looks pristine, even though I've been using the kickstands a bunch. Uh, but yeah, it's not perfect, but it, it solves a problem that I have with the smart keyboard, which is it's great for typing with the physical keyboard, but if I just want to switch modes, and I don't want to switch covers because an answer could be, well, just remove the smart keyboard and put on the smart folio, which is the basically the same thing, but without a keyboard and with a touch mode. But I don't want to switch covers all the time. And so mm-hmm. it's a way to have both touch mode with an angle and physical keyboard mode in the same accessory, which works okay. And they're cheap and they're very solid. So you can get them from Amazon. Uh, but not in Italy. No, what a life hack. Yeah. All right, so (laughs) back onto more serious (laughs) subjects. Uh, There was, Guillermo Rambo continued to spread more and more information last week after his his week of of leaking from wherever the information that he got was from about stuff in iOS 13, uh, Mac 10, 15, uh, stuff stuff in the Apple Watch, etc., and there was one report talking about some iOS features coming to the Mac. One of them was the possibility of a version of shortcuts 
to come to the Mac. And so I want to hear what you have to say about this. Hmm. Okay. Um, of course, I'm in, I'm intrigued by this idea of um, bringing shortcuts to a to a maybe not a bigger audience, but a, a different audience. Um, and I've seen there's a there's a great article by Dr. Drang about um, what does this mean for the future of automation on on, on macOS. Um, and to sum it up, he argues that what makes automation great on macOS is the fact that you have complete communication between two layers of automation. You have the Darwin and kernel stuff, so Bash, Python, Ruby, how you can have these scripting languages that perform scripting and automation at a very low level. And then you have AppleScript and Automator and these other user-facing automation tools that can communicate with each other. So AppleScript can communicate with Bash and Python, and Python and Bash can also communicate with AppleScript and Automator. It's a mm -hmm. two-way thing that uh, that's going on, which is great. Now, where does shortcuts fit into this? And if you read the report from uh, from Rambo, it's it's very light on details, but he mentions Siri shortcuts, which is... When you hear me say Siri shortcuts, I do not mean the shortcuts app. So Siri shortcuts are those little actions that you can set up on iOS and give them a phrase, and they represent um, actions or screens that you can reopen in a third-party app. And Rambo mentions there will be Siri shortcuts, there will also be a shortcuts app, but it doesn't go into details of how, and how it will integrate with macOS and it will feel be different from shortcuts on iOS, but it does mention how it may be possible that shortcuts on the Mac will only be compatible with third-party apps that have been written in Marzipan. Now, I would be surprised. So let, I want to sort of go over a few layers of this discussion, if that's okay with you, Mike. Um, I want to hear it. So I would be very surprised if shortcuts on the Mac does not offer any ties to existing scripting uh, or tools or automation features of macOS. Um, Shortcuts on iOS already has a native action called run SSH script, which, yes, it is different from what we're talking about here. It's not Bash, it's not Python, it's not AppleScript. But there's a small precedent for having Shortcuts run a script natively but without... Uh, but with an SSH session. And it would not be unthinkable, I believe, to imagine how there may be a run Apple script action or maybe a run shell command action in shortcuts for Mac. And I think it, I, I would be very surprised if in the process of bringing shortcuts over to the Mac, uh, the team does not consider um, this possibility of... This is not possible on iOS, but we have it on the Mac, so why not? Um, and actually, you know, if you really want to be precise about this, you can use the run SSH action to run uh, scripts on your Mac. This is what I'm already doing with my Mac Mini. I have the SSH action uh, run shell scripts and perform and run Apple scripts using the OSA script command. This is all already possible, but you got to enable SSH. Uh, what we're arguing here is 
should shortcuts for Mac have native AppleScript, native Bash support, and all this kind of stuff? And I think it should, or at least it should have some kind of bridge, some kind of tool that says um, you can execute this command. Now, the more interesting question for me is, consider how shortcuts works at the moment on iOS. Um, you have native actions that you can run inside of shortcuts. These are your files actions or your web API actions, your Apple Music actions, all these native frameworks. Then you have Siri shortcuts, which are these little steps uh, that you can import from apps. And they're either, they either show you stuff, like they display some kind of visual preview, or they take you into a third-party app. Then you have the good old URL schemes uh, that um, you can either assemble by hand or are prepackaged in shortcuts as visual actions. But these actions, even though they look pretty and they look visual, they actually simply launch a, a, a third-party app to perform an action or to show you something. What Shortcuts on iOS does not have as of iOS 12 is a native API for developers to have their apps become native actions of Shortcuts. There's no, let's call it Workflow Kit or let's call it Shortcuts Kit, call it whatever you want, but there's no native framework for my curly developer of 123 Markdown to say, look, I want to offer... Uh, an action for my markdown editor in shortcuts mm -hmm. but it's got to be a native action mm -hmm. like not something that launches one two three markdown but something that actually performs inside of shortcuts like the apple music actions do like the reminders actions do that's not possible on the mac though automation with apps has always been about um has always been modeled around the idea of performing things in the background right like you can keep an you you can you can uh, run scripts you can from the shell you can run python scripts or you can keep a, an an app window open in the background but to perform something you do not necessarily have to launch it like an ios you you don't see the dance of multiple apps opening on screen like x callback for example so, if Apple were to bring shortcuts to the Mac, can you imagine a situation where it's it's basically X callback URL all over again? And like, you want to have some drafts actions in shortcuts? Sure, it'll <laughs> launch the drafts app and and put the window, uh, you know, the, make it the frontmost window and. It'll be like just like an iOS version of shortcuts. Now that could be entirely possible. That uh, bringing automation to the to the Mac means just launching third-party apps uh, and uh, opening Windows and that kind of stuff. But again, I would be really surprised if in iOS 13 we do not get a proper, fully customizable uh, shortcuts API for developers to say. It's time to it's time to move on from URL schemes and these series shortcuts that they launched in iOS 12 didn't really allow us to to build meaningful automation features, but now we can 
thanks to this proper shortcuts API that Apple is opening up. Can you give me some examples in your mind as to why it would be beneficial to have this API, which is more than what currently exists? Well, there's all kinds of, of possible use cases. One that comes to mind, think of text editors um, and how drafts and Ulysses have actions that can create new documents from shortcuts. But those actions, they require launching the app and sometimes they fail because they do not activate in the background. They're basically just a, a fancy way to represent launching an app and have it perform a feature. Or try and think how OmniFocus and Things, they also offer actions in shortcuts and they are customizable with parameters, but at the end of the day, they still have to launch OmniFocus and launch Things to perform those actions. And compare this to how you can create notes from shortcuts in the Apple Notes app, fully in the background, fully automated, or how you can create a reminder from shortcuts, from the widget, from the extension, whatever, fully in the background, fully automated. You don't have to launch reminders, just like you don't have to launch notes. And so the idea would be, rather than using URL schemes, which are by design insecure, because any, any website could, for example, embed a URL scheme that when tapped, it'll, you, know, you will see a dialogue that says, you want to open this link in an app? Um, URL schemes are not great. Uh, what is great is having a proper automation API that has user permissions, like the Apple apps do. When you try to use reminders or Apple Music or Notes with shortcuts, you get a fancy, very nice permission prompt says, do you want to use these features with shortcuts? Uh, Which means you can control the privacy access in settings, but which means you have greater freedom to automate these apps without having to launch them, which means forget about base 64, for example. Now you can create uh, tasks in OmniFocus with attachments, with images, without having to deal with base64 and URL schemes. It all just happens natively, which means it gets so much easier for all kinds of users to say, here's a file variable, here's a text variable, make a task in OmniFocus with an attachment for me. And it all just works. Sorry, so I guess one of the big differences, because I'm just trying to make sure that I understand like why this yeah. is more than what Siri Shortcuts gave, was that Siri Shortcuts were very Siri-focused. So it was like input-output via voice and then maybe a small piece of UI. And not even input. (laughs) Well, yeah, but sometimes, right? There's something, right? There's something. Um, But the difference here would be if you were looking at shortcuts API, removing Siri from it, is like giving developers the ability to build tools that work like Apple's native shortcuts tools, right? So like this is a piece of functionality that exists in my application. You no longer need to open my application to trigger it. Okay, cool. I just wanted to make sure I was following because that, I mean, that's the dream, right? That I would be able to what? Like I could say in in, in shortcuts, like, oh, Take a look at the like. Oh, it's it's that time of day. So just go mark. Just go move all of my projects, uh, all of my tasks in Todoist to tomorrow. 
Like, yes. and I never, you know, it's just all done for me, right? Like, I don't do anything. It takes all the tasks and just moves them to tomorrow. And that's no it. URL scheme, yep. no web API, all just local, private, and automated in the background for you. And I guess um, the reason that this comes back to why we're talking about this now with shortcuts for the mm-hmm. Mac is that's the foundation for why you would want to start replacing the existing mechanism that exists mm-hmm. on the Mac, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to do this, like, because look, I think everyone can see the writing on the wall here, right? Like, where, I mean, I understand why it's difficult for people, to, especially if, like, you rely on these tools. But I think we can all see what's going on here, right? Like, we can all see what Marzipan is probably going to end up doing, good and bad. And one of these things is to start to replace a lot of the older core underlying things that exist in the Mac that are maybe a little bit esoteric for most people. And for whatever reason, right or wrong, Apple clearly believes in the shortcuts method of automation because it put it in iOS. So Mm -hmm. it believes in it. They gave it time on stage, right? They believe in it. So it might be the case of like, we want to start redoing what automation means on all of our platforms. And that means creating a new set of APIs that everyone can hook into and it works across platforms and all that kind of stuff. Right? Yeah. Um, Look, my argument is basically this. Um, On the Mac, you have greater access to, let's call it system automation. So, Things that you can do with core system functionalities, like the Finder or the Shell, you know, these very core frameworks and features of of macOS that you don't have on iOS. But on iOS, you also have some kind of system automation with shortcuts. Things like opening Safari tabs or changing the brightness of of your device. Uh, Things that are related to the system. And then you have app-based automation. So integrating either with Apple apps, so reminders, notes, music, and third-party apps. And at the moment on iOS, the situation is Apple apps get all the benefits uh, of native shortcuts integration, and third-party developers, they are limited to URL schemes and series shortcuts, which is, it's not exactly automation as much as it is fancy launching of apps. It's what it is. Now, if I were Apple and I, if I were in the process of, all right, I want to bring, I'm trying to think, right? Um, I want to bring easier automation to the Mac because, I mean, let's face it. Um, Apple Script and Automator, um, they're not exactly user-friendly, especially Apple Script. Uh, you could make the case that there's an entire audience of iPad users, uh, you know, college kids graduating to a MacBook. You know, you use an iPad and now you want to use a Mac because you're older, you want to have a more professional tool, so you buy a MacBook. So you're new to the Mac. Maybe you already know shortcuts from iOS, but now what do you do? You want to have some automation on the Mac. Do you learn AppleScript? Do you try and use Automator? Do you learn Python and, and Bash? God, no. Um, you can make a case for Automator, but I don't. F- I feel like whoever was trying to make that case, um, 
maybe Sal. It was Sal really Sagoyan. You know uh, who was trying to make the case. The, the, there was the one battle, guy. The battle was obviously lost because Automator hasn't received meaningful updates in years. And so if you, if you were to think of, all right, what are all these people that, you know, is there a market for new Mac users or even existing Mac users who never got into automation before because they were, you know, put off by AppleScript and Automator? Is there an easy, uh, is there a better way that we can send this, provide a more cohesive message around you can make your tasks easier and faster and more efficient with automation. And there is an answer, and there will be shortcuts. Now, if you were to bring shortcuts to the Mac, would you rather make it work in two different ways on iOS and macOS? So would you say, all right, so on iOS, um, we're going to launch a shortcut API. We're going to get rid of URL schemes. We're going to get rid of, you know, these simplistic Siri shortcuts. We're going to have a proper, full-on shortcuts API for third-party developers. But on the Mac, though, we're still going to use Apple events, and we're still going to use Apple script and URL schemes. Or would you say, all right, so if we're bringing shortcuts to the Mac and we're opening this shortcuts API for developers... I guess we got to make sure that it works the same way everywhere. And the answer would be, let's just make it work for Marzipan apps. It's the, you know, in, in these situations, uh, I think the, the sort of an Occam's razor uh, problem uh, uh, would suggest that the easiest and most obvious solution is the one that wins in the end. And so I tend to believe the part of the, 95 Mac report that the shortcuts will work with Marzipan apps. But I think that's in the context of there will be a new shortcuts API for third-party developers that is supported on iOS and on macOS, provided that you write your macOS app using this so far unnamed tool that we all refer to as Marzipan. That would not surprise me at all. So you think you you think that this stuff would be marzipan apps only on the Mac? Yes. Okay. But again, the what I said a few minutes ago still stands. Should Apple offer some kind of basic compatibility mode for old apps or for Apple Script or for Apple events? I'm not sure the extent of what Apple could do, but as far as third-party apps go, I would not be surprised if it's just for Marzipan apps. And so Apple could have... This was, this was one of the concerns that Dr. Drang expressed in his article. If Apple makes contacts or reminders on the Mac Marzipan apps, do I lose access to all my Apple scripts and all my automations that I have? I feel like that... that type of stuff feels inevitable to me yes yes i agree like i would expect over the next two or three years every app that apple makes moves like basic system app moves to marzipan yes so i agree that there will be a rough and bumpy transition period for folks who use automation with apple apps that will become marzipan apps with macOS 10.15 but Apple could smooth out this transition by saying all your Apple scripts can now become 
native shortcuts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And there's a, I don't know how it'll look like. You could go as far as say, oh, maybe Apple should have a sort of like a Rosetta system to automatically translate AppleScript dictionaries to shortcuts dictionaries. I mean, you could just straight up just have a, a AppleScript block in shortcuts and it would do it. Exactly. And it's only going to work on the Mac, which is perfectly fine, right? And it's just like, that will do it, right? And then over time, hoping that people might start adopting the native tools that they bring about. But like, it's just like, look, we're moving it to this. If you run this, we'll make Mm -hmm. it work, right? Like, don't worry about it. Or maybe maybe there's a way to say, we made contacts a Marzipan app, and now you can use the shortcuts um, API that we have in contacts and that we have a reminders, but for the time being, you can still access the AppleScript dictionary of contacts and reminders, mm-hmm. uh, again, to smooth out this transition period. And I think last year, uh, Steve Trouton-Smith showed how it is technically possible uh, with Marzipan to embed AppleScript dictionary support in a Marzipan app. So Apple could also say that. And and I also wanted to, to point out how um, I, I've gotten a few responses um, and comments from people who say, um, why would you want shortcuts on the Mac while Automator is so much more powerful? And it depends, I think, on your definition of powerful. Uh, because Automator, if all you care about is running shell commands and uh, you know uh, using those uh, classic um, Mac OS X automation features that are still in Automator, then yes, it is more powerful. But if you just look at what you can do with shortcuts, with just a few drag and drops and just a few touches, uh, I mean, shortcuts has um, conditional blocks and repeat loops and custom UIs that you can put together with alerts and dialogues and menus. None of this, none of this is available in Automator. <laughs> none of this. Frankly, it is much more accessible to, to, to people that don't understand what they're doing. I, I, yeah. I can understand shortcuts in a way I was never un- able to understand Automator. Yes. And like, power is one thing. Accessibility is another thing, right? Like people yes. being able to learn something easily without uh, a, a lot of knowledge behind them, that brings more power to more people. And isn't that the most important thing, ultimately? Is it? It's like... um. Do you value power for power's sake or do you value power in the context of empowering people? Which is a different Mm. thing, I think. Do you just want to have the maximum power? But it's like, do you want to build a car that goes to 300 kilometers per hour, but so very few pilots in the world can drive? Or do you want to have a very good and very accessible car that most people can drive? Like, I don't want to get political here. (laughs) 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 He says, backing head first into this it's like the one percent idea right yeah like all the money being controlled by such a small amount of people that's what it reminds me of right like you can have all the power as long as you have the knowledge yeah well that's not fair i don't have the knowledge but i want some of the power so um to sum it up we really got off the rails there didn't we (laughs) yeah uh there's a but but I think it was a good discussion in in the context of there's so many questions that are still of course left unanswered in terms of as Dr. Drang pointed out in his post which you really should go read because he raises a few interesting points uh, will shortcuts for Mac commu- be able to communicate in a sort of a three way system with 
Darwin and the Kernel, Apple Script Automator, and Shortcuts. And will Apple provide some kind of bridge or some kind of compatibility layer for the shell and Apple Script in, um, in Shortcuts? Mm-hmm. And then we have the, more, the, the, the broader picture of what's in the cards for Shortcuts 2 um, at WWDC. And should Apple open up a, a proper shortcut API for third-party developers? And my answer is yes. And, and I've been saying this since my iOS 12 review last year. There should be... It, it's time to move on from URL schemes. And Siri shortcuts were not meant for automation. It is time to have the same automation tools that Apple has for their own apps and make them available through third-party developers. But if that's the case... And if that it's also coming to I, to macOS, I believe it's very possible that it will be for Marzipan apps only. And which brings us to the final question that we we brought up a few minutes ago of if it if this new kind of automation is for Marzipan apps only, what happens to existing Apple apps that become Marzipan apps? So your contacts and your reminders and uh, Mail, maybe is it is mail too complex for Marzipan? Maybe uh, all these depends basic, what they do to iOS mail. Depends what they do. Yes. So, what happens to automation to these existing for these existing Mac apps? Will there be uh, a one-to-one match between Apple Script and Shortcuts API? I I sort of doubt it. You know, like you said uh, that about complicated. This is something that, like, I keep coming back to. I keep hearing people mention it. Like here's the here's my thinking on this. Like the way that I come at this, nothing should be too complicated. It is up to Apple to make it work. If mm-hmm. they believe in this system, they have to find a way to make mail comparable on both platforms and it be Marzipan based. They just have to do it. Whatever it takes over the next few years, they have to find a way. I don't expect that they're going to be able to move all of these apps this year. But over the multiple year rollout of this program, like this this idea, this platform, they should be able to get all of their apps running this way because otherwise why do it, right? Mm-hmm. If they can't stand at the front of this and be like, this is the way to make apps. We believe in it so much. We're going to make all of our apps this way and we're going to keep the power of them. Then what's the point? Yeah, You know, like if, if we're 10 years down the line and... <laughs> mail is still made of app kit then they're not doing their job properly mm-hmm. if they are then going to stand and say this is the new way to make apps which is what they will say right yeah. like over the next couple of years apple is going to be telling everyone the way you should make apps for our platform is by using this set of tools that we've created right like that's what they're going to say no matter like there will be a million edge cases it won't be good for this it won't be good for that it's fine but apple's not going to say that right like the the, the plan will be you use your apps. You make your apps using these tools that we've created, and now they've won on all the platforms. So they need to do it too, right? And the idea of, oh, iTunes is too complicated, so they have to break it up and make it dumb. Uh, Mail is too complicated, and so either they're going to remove smart inboxes or they're just never going to bother, or like Safari is too complicated, so we're going to have these two versions. There needs to be one, and it needs to be great on everything, because otherwise... Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. Um, a few final things. I I do not believe that uh, Automator and AppleScript are going away immediately. It's not a 
it I, I don't think Apple likes to kill off these existing Mac features. Not when they don't need the to, and when they're just just gonna hurt people. They, yeah, <laughs> right? they can just phase them out over time, and it'll be obvious, and everybody will will adapt. Um, and also, friend of the show and friend in real life, Jason Snell is making a good point in the chat room that Apple could offer some kind of bridge um, to bring quick actions, which is a feature of macOS Mojave in the Finder, and sort of say, you can have your quick actions in shortcuts, and sort of it's a way to bridge old automation with new automation, which I think is a really good point, and I could see how these kinds of little compatibility steps, or like you mentioned, Mike, run Apple Script as an action in Shortcuts for Mac. I could see how they may alleviate some of these problems that may arise during the transition, uh, you know, with Marzipan mm-hmm. and all of that. My main question is, what I really, and that's the one that I'm most curious about, is what happens to folks like Drang that have existing Apple Scripts that work with contacts and reminders? What happens when those apps are no longer AppKit apps, but they are Marzipan apps? Will they keep their existing AppleScript support or will they use something new? So my question would be, really the question is, does Drang need to write new scripts? That's the question we're all wondering. Because it represents, in that simple question, is, is a big problem of how does Apple move from old automation to new automation with shortcuts? And so how much work does Dr. Drang and people like Dr. Drang uh, have to do to update their scripts and automations and and workflows. Um, it, it's very it's very interesting. It's it's uh, I know that it's scary for Mac users. For me, there's all to gain here. Like for folks like me, and I think you, Mike, uh, this is great because it means I can now translate all my iOS automations to Mac automations. I got no time for Automator. I got no time for AppleScript, but I know how to use shortcuts. And if shortcuts come to the Mac, now I can... Imagine if your all your iOS shortcuts could sync to the Mac and just work out of the box. Wouldn't that be great? I would love to stop using the toggled Mac app. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything mm-hmm. to stop using the toggled Mac app would be just a real blessing to me. Woo. All right, let's take a break. And then... I need to talk about something quite sorrowful to me. Uh, Today's episode is brought to you by Bombas. You might not think about socks very often. If you're anything like me, you're a busy person. Surely you don't have tons of time to think about what you put on your feet, right? Well, let me tell you why I think you should look at Bombas. These socks are awesome. Comfortable. They're made of great quality materials. They even have a mission to provide socks to people in need as well, which I really love. So when you buy so- when you buy socks from Bombas, they donate socks uh, to people that need them, I, which I just think is a wonderful thing to do. They've donated wow, like nearly twenty million pairs of socks to people that need them. So every time you buy an item, they donate an item. I think that that's really cool. Um, I absolutely love their styles. Uh, they they have lots of like really subtle styles, but some that are much more bold as well. And they even do a bunch of collaborations as well. Like they have a set of Sesame Street socks, which are all really great looking. And they're not necessarily in the way that you would think. Like you should go and take a look at those on their website. Like they're a nice little surprise. Put simply, Bombas make the most comfortable socks ever. They're made from super soft natural cotton, and every pair comes with arch support, a seamless toe, and a 
cushioned footbed that's comfy without being too thick. They have so many colors, patterns, lengths, and styles. They look great in the gym, at the office, and out on the town. Your feet are dreaming of Bombas socks right now, and for every purchase you make, they donate a pair to someone in need. Buy your Bombas today at bombas.com slash connected, and you will get 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash connected for 20% off. Open your browser right now. Your feet will thank you for it. That's bombas.com slash connected. Our thanks to Bombas for their support of Connected and all of Relay FM. Last week, I decided that this week we would talk about the Samsung Galaxy Fold. Because (laughs) I have, you know, I think anyone that's listened to me on this show and on Upgrade will know that I am like super interested in folding phones and especially the Galaxy Fold. Um, The two, uh, the Fold and the Huawei Mate X, um, the Fold was the most interesting to me from a design perspective. Uh, And the reason I wanted to talk about it is like last week, some of the initial impressions started coming out. So there were videos from people like Casey Neistat and MKBHD, uh, DW at The Verge. Uh, There were videos from people at The Wall Street Journal. I think Jeffrey Fowler had videos there. And they were like, hey, come to our place, right? Like what Apple does and spend some time with it. And then you can make a video about it. So a bunch of videos came out. People were intrigued by it. There was a lot of surprise about the device. Like, People were recognizing there was work to be done, but that the bones of an interesting product were definitely there. And it was more put together than people were imagining. Like you can watch the, I mean, I'm so impressed when I look at how the software works, you know, like just from a basic perspective of like the multitasking. There are like Mm -hmm. parts about the multitasking that they have better than Apple do, right? That you can have like a bunch of apps on screen at once and you can just resize them all and it's great, right? And they don't have a lot of apps that use this because they need to integrate with Samsung's APIs. And I can't imagine that there are a ton of developers on Android that are like falling over themselves to support the Galaxy Fold. But Samsung worked closely with companies that were important for them to work with and they got a bunch of apps working, right? So it's like, okay, this looks interesting. And again, I haven't used it. I'm sure it's janky in a million ways that iOS isn't, but it's still intriguing. Um, And that was kind of the way that people were talking about it of like, uh, you know, and I liked what Dieter Bone had to say about this. He was like, I am genuinely surprised because I thought this was going to be like a train wreck, but it isn't. Reviewers then started walking away with the devices and people tweeting about it, you know, and Samsung was starting to send more units out to people that didn't get the first impressions. And it seemed like everyone that was getting them was like becoming really drawn to this device. You know, like I was seeing a lot of people say, like, this thing is very interesting, right? Of like, you've got this little screen on the front, which isn't that great, but is like a souped up lock screen effectively. And then you, when you need to get something done, you open it up and you have this like big square device and this big square screen right in front of you. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, (laughs) devices started failing. It was like, I'm not sure whether it was something where a bunch of people knew that they'd broken it, but were too afraid to mention it, or whether they were happening at the exact same time. But it started with Dieter Bone publishing on The Verge that a bump appeared under the screen that ultimately killed his unit. So like a little bump appeared under his screen, kind of towards the middle. um, And then that eventually caused some lines in the display, and then just killed the screen. And when he published that article, both MKBHD and Mark Gurman uh, showed that they had attempted to remove what they thought was a screen protector, and it destroyed the screen. 
So there's like a little plastic covering that didn't go all the way to the edge for reasons that I will never understand. Um, but it didn't go all the way to the edge and people would try and pick it off as I 100% would have if I was them. And it destroyed the screen. It was like, it's an important part of the screen. It was like a protection part. You pull it away and it breaks some of the other stuff, killed it. So all of these people started talking about it. Samsung uh, recalled the broken phones. Uh, they clarified that the screen protector should not be removed. And they said they will make it clear to customers. They said they would look into what happened to Dita's phone um, there's been other phones now since I think I saw uh, YouTuber Mr. Mobile had a similar problem. It was like a bump in his screen, killed it. Um, but Samsung was steadfast on not moving their release date. Like in their original PR release, they were like, don't take the screen protector off. We're going to look into what happened to the other one. But the phone's still coming out. Then rumors mm. started to circulate that Samsung would delay their launch in certain markets. This then became everywhere. As it stands right now today, it is completely unknown what Samsung are planning to do with the Galaxy Fold. But you can rest assured that they will do everything they literally can to release this product, right? Um, This is from the statement that they gave. We will take measures to strengthen the display protection. We will also enhance the guidance on care and use of the display, including the protective layer. There is no timeline as to when this phone will be launching. It was supposed to be coming out on Friday, the 26th. Um, People have pre-ordered. And Samsung have contacted the pre-order customers and said that they'll give them uh, an update in two weeks about what's happening. Um, Apparently, Samsung have now also recalled all review units. My expectation here is they want to get them out of the hands of people before they break. (laughs) And they also want to probably have a do-over on all of this, right? Like when when they fix or if they fix or can provide a more strong experience that they will want to do this all over again, right? Have people come in, take a look at it, assure everyone, then send all the devices out, have them reviewed again, right? Unfortunately, people have already started publishing their reviews and there are still reviews to come, right, of the device which is fundamentally flawed. Um, I fix it, got their hands on one, which is really intriguing to me. Somebody gave it to iFixit, and iFixit just ripped it apart. Uh, they have identified the following issues as potential reasons for why this screen has failed. OLED screens in general are super fragile, and they're more prone to complete failure than just a section failing with regular LED screens. So, like, if this was an, if this was somehow able to be an LED screen, those little bumps may have just killed some pixels. But on an OLED screen, if you do enough damage, it will kill the entire entire panel. This is the issue with the, the 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 protector, the screen protector. If you pull it, which is what was happening, because it was glued really heavily down, because Samsung doesn't want it taken off, right? It's part of the screen. If you pull it and damage once some of the OLED, you kill the screen. That was what was killing them. It wasn't that like removing this the the screen protector, like it was somehow electronically attached to the phone. It was just you would. You would damage the OLED, right? You were separating the OLED from the electronics and it would kill it. Um, the edges of the device are problematic as well because where the the hinge is, there are these two little gaps, uh, the top and the bottom, right? Where there's kind of like, you can see, it's not covered by the case, right? Because they need to be able to close the thing. So it, it, it doesn't have any kind of covering. If you remember from the Huawei Mate X, they had this like little rubber thing, which I hated the look of. But that is like protection for the edges of the screen. 
the Galaxy Fold did not have that. So that is some exposed edges where you can hit the uh, uh, where where you're able to like cause an impact, which can kill the screen. Or this could be where debris is getting in, which is what definitely happened to mm-hmm. Dita Bone. It looks like some debris got in, and they either got in through the hole at the bottom, which is a seven millimeter gap, which is completely unprotected, or it's got in through the back of the hinge. Now, this is a problem because this is definitely going to happen. And unless Samsung find a way to cover that hinge a little bit more, makes me think of the butterfly keyboards and MacBook Pros, debris is going to get in there and it's going to destroy the screen. Because so, probably what's happening is this debris is getting in and it's getting caught in the gears. It's it's being pressed against the screen and it's adding a sep- it's it's basically making the the panel separate from the phone, yeah. killing the OLEDs. This is where we are right now. All right. So as it stands, no one knows when this thing is coming out. But we're I think everyone's assuming that it's gonna come out somehow. Ugh. And it yeah. is so mm. annoying to me that this happens. That this has happened. That Samsung saying they let it happen is maybe a strong thing to say. You know, like I saw some people say, which is really interesting, that like they couldn't have done that much real-world testing with this because it would have ruined it, right? You couldn't have taken this thing out into the world and do a ton of real-world testing because everyone's going to see it. Right. So like that yeah. might have been a problem for them is they may have been testing it in too many controlled conditions, which hindsight is twenty twenty on this type of stuff, right? Like I don't think you can necessarily point at them and be like, ha-ha, right? Because this stuff happens. The problem is... This issues to it's like the MacBook keyboards, right? So like I can imagine a lot of people like to say let's look at something like this and be like, haha, Samsung prototypes, but like Apple's keyboards are still failing, right? They clearly did not do enough real world testing with those keyboards, otherwise the keyboards would be able to withstand dust and debris, which they cannot. So I, I think it's worth keeping that kind of stuff in mind. Anyway, Samsung had one shot to make the first impression on this. They are the first company in the market with a foldable phone. And they blew it, right? Like, they yep. needed to do this right, and they didn't. They failed. So, like, the fir- this has been, like, a big news story, right? The first company to get a product, in theory, to market. We're, like, a week away from it being sent into market. People were bought it. They made them. They were ready. And they blew it. Can they make it right? Can they fix it? I don't know. Or have they actually shown us that this can't exist? Mm. It, this is the same company that came back from exploding phones. So I feel like... But the, the, the Note, though, the Galaxy Note was a strong brand. It was a phone that people wanted. And I agree with you, right? They can come back from it. But it's like, what what is the lasting damage to the idea of folding screens? Because, like, yeah, they. my feeling on this, they will find a way somehow to get this phone out. They put too much money in it now. And somebody and my like all you know the reason it costs $2000 still remains someone has to do this if this type of thing is going to exist. You know, it could have just been bad luck or they took too many risks or there's something fundamentally wrong about their form factor decisions. But like I've seen a lot of people say, well, maybe this actually makes the Huawei more risky because the plastic part which is the problem right because that's where the flexible stuff is is constantly available to the elements 
And if these screens being dinged too hard can kill them, maybe being just the screen is actually worse? All of this to say, Federico, I cannot uncouple my feelings from this product. I still really want it. I feel like you're more in love with the idea of having a folding phone than having a Galaxy Fold. It's the one I like the most. Um, Mm. I I think it is more attractive. Um, And I actually believe in Samsung's ability to make this, believe it or not, a real product more than Huawei, even though Huawei's on some real kicks at the moment, which I think we're going to talk about in a minute. But um, I still really want it. Like Everything that is good in the reviews and the videos and the images is exactly what I wanted. And it's like, you can hear it in a lot of the reviewers when they're talking about it. It's like, I know this thing is so fundamentally flawed, but I love it, right? And like, that's how I look at it. It's like, ah, you're like my problem child. Because I can see what is wrong with you, but I still love you. (laughs) (laughs) In a very special way. (laughs) It's so Um, annoying to me that they, they, that they, whatever happened, happened. And like, and I understand, I feel like I understand, like, the leaps that they are taking in technology to try and do this, it's ahead of its time, but somebody has to do it, right? But they blew yeah. it. They blew it. Samsung, I'm so annoyed at you. You blew it. I, I, really, I really wonder how this happened, because even, even if you don't test it in a... In, in a real-world environment, I don't know, doesn't Samsung have offices with windows where air and dust can come in? Don't they have gardens where, you know, you can find, you know, you can yep. find leaves yep. and, and more dust, like particles? Like, I really struggle to believe that they don't have See, a, the a testing is, environment. Nobody has confirmed that it is, uh, that that's what's happened, though, right? Like, there is a possibility that, the ge- one of the gears broke right because that hinge is full of gears and something may have dislodged right like no no one's actually been able to confirm because samsung's not saying what happened to dita bone's phone right like mm-hmm. was it debris or did something inside the phone snap off it's possible this is a i i feel very confident that this could be the perfect plot for a podcast series Oh, uh, like Serial yeah. Season 5? What happened to Dieter Bond's yeah. phone? <laughs> yes. Uh, but honestly, I mean, I agree with you that folding phones should be a thing. Uh, maybe it was a little too early. Maybe it, maybe it was not early. But Samsung had the wrong process in place where different teams couldn't talk to each other. And maybe Gruber actually had an article about this, I think, yesterday raising a very good point that maybe engineers did bring it up, but maybe marketing just ignored it and say, no, 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 go ahead. We got to release this phone to prove a point. But is Samsung a company that releases things to prove a point? Maybe. Uh, well, but I don't know. there's also, I mean, there. I think that this happens, this happens everywhere. This happens in all companies. You know, everybody has a line. I, I, I don't remember exactly what we were talking about. Oh, air power, right? Like that, like you get to a certain point and you make a decision. And it might be that Samsung's decision is, let's hope that this goes okay. Where yeah. Apple's decision maybe is a little bit more like, we have strung this along 
for long enough now and it's time to kill it, right? But like every company has it. You sunk enough money into something, you have enough riding on it, and a lot of logic starts to go out the window. Yeah, but when you reach a point where, okay, we got a pro- product that may work or may explode on a person's nightstand, what are our chances? Yes. <laughs> I feel like yeah. p- pulling the product is probably the safest bet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, it does feel like uh, an instance of Samsung saying, w- let's hope that people actually read the sticker to not pull away the protection and that they maybe... need to before this phone ships they need to make sure that there is no because basically at the moment it's possible for you to pick at it they need to extend it to the full size of the screen it's wild to me that they haven't already done that um yeah. that like you could see the ridge like you could pick it off i would 100% have pulled that off immediately like yeah, they, there are there are things the where it's like Samsung are so impressive with their hardware, but every now and then you see an instance of that's good enough. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't always work. It definitely doesn't work in a $2,000 phone. There should be no gap, right? Like mm-hmm. there's like a little gap where the screen protector sits on top of the screen. That gap should not exist. It should go all the way to the edge. It should look like it's the screen, not it's that it's something that can be removed, right? Like that is not good enough. You didn't. You got to go back to the drawing board on that, and then you need to put some kind of membrane to stop dust getting in. I don't know what you're gonna do, Samsung, but like, you gotta find a way to fix this one. You've just got. They've just got to do it, um, and the fix can't be like what happened with the fo- with the with the Galaxy, which is we'll just hope we get it right the next time, right? Mm-hmm. That that Galaxy, the oh, so the Note, I should say, the exploding Note. There was just no Note that year. Right, they started refurbishing them, putting smaller batteries in them, but they stopped selling that product and then just got it right the next yep. year. I don't think that they have that luxury here. I think they need to get this right. That this product needs to come out for them to prove the point that they were trying to make in the first place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now you know Air Power and uh, the the f- this first version of the fold are now holding their little plastic hands. In the great uh, product ga- graveyard in the sky. Yep, the hall of the hall of failures. Yeah, that's uh, so sad. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. I want to talk a little bit about cameras with you before we finish out today's episode. But before we do, let me thank our friends over at Smile for their support of this show. Let me tell you about Text Expander. Text Expander lets you quickly insert longer chunks of text with a quick search or abbreviation. It puts snippets at your fingertips so you frequently typed phrases you can be right there whenever you need them you can fill out like basically an entire email using their fill-in snippets it's so incredible i absolutely love text expander and use it every single day there is a brand new version of text expander it's 6.5 for mac os and 2.0 for windows both of these new versions have a new visual editor for snippets it makes it even easier than ever before to create really amazing custom snippets with date and date maps for nested snippets and fill-ins. It's easier than ever before to make super powerful text expander snippets. If you already love text expander and recommend it to your friends, you can now join their affiliate program to earn a little bit of extra money for yourself, which is nice. Um, if like me, you're always looking for ways to be a little bit more productive, you need text expander in your life. It's going to handle all of your repetitive typing tasks, leaving more time for what you do best. And if you work with anybody like I do, like me and my sales manager, Carrie, we have a shared system of text expander snippets. So our file naming is always correct, because as soon as she looked at my file naming, she said, 
this is no good. So she created some text expander snippets. So we have consistency in our file naming for contracts. Little things like that are just amazing. Go to textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more now about text expander. That is textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more. I thanks the text expander from Smile for their support of this show and Relay FM. So there was a Ming-Chi Kuo report about the cameras coming to the 2019 iPhones. Uh, it's saying that the front-facing camera is going to be upgraded to a 12-megapixel camera up from 7, which is brilliant. Finally. Uh, and that there will now be a 5-element lens component, which used to be 4 elements. I'm sure I'm just – I don't know what this means, but I'm just going to guess more elements is good. Uh, but Yeah, let's do 5 elements. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> reference acknowledged. Uh, I, I, wanna s- I want there to be a better camera on the front of my phone for all the great selfies that I take. Um, Apple will be adding a third camera to both both OLED models, the 5.8 and 6.5-inch iPhone, so basically the XS and the XS Max, which we're assuming is going to be the 11, and this will be a brand-new super-wide 12-megapixel lens. Now, the report on 9to5Mac says that both the super-wide and the front-facing camera will be coated in black so they blend in better with the surrounding bezel. I'm confused about this. Mm-hmm. Where's the ultra-wide lens going? Is it going on the back or is it going on the front? I think it's going on the back. This is what I thought, but like, so, okay. Why is it important? Like, are they going to make, like, are they going to be able to hide it in the camera bump? Like, if they make the camera bump bigger, what's the problem with having a third lens show up? Why do they need to hide it with this black coating? I don't know, because maybe it looks creepy. I don't know, um... Yeah, there's that. Yeah, it does look weird. I don't like seeing all the holes in the phone. And like, yeah, it's what's what's the there's a the phenomenon. It's, yeah, it's, it's like trip um, to something something, which is a thing that I have. So I can't search for something, it. Something something for it. If I search for it, then I'll see all of the images. Oh yeah, I'm, right? I'm the same. It yeah, freaks nope. me out so much. It's unnatural holes in things. Is basically yes. the thing. Freaks yes. me out. So you're gonna have to do your own googling. Um, yes. So this is great, right? Uh, I'm excited about this. So I wanted to just talk real briefly about what camera enhancements we actually want to see. So I'll mention the ultra wide. I want an ultra wide selfie camera, and I want an ultra wide regular camera. That's what I want. I want ultra wide on everything. I want the, uh, I want the ability to get more people in a selfie, and I also want the ability to get a big landscape if I want it. Right? Like, I don't want just a regular ultra wide. I want it everywhere. I agree, actually, especially for the group selfies. Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. Yeah, I've, uh, I am, um, and I see that you have this in your in your notes. I am especially intrigued by the um, uh, crazy optical zoom of the Huawei P30. Yeah, it is. This is all over TV commercials, commercials in Italy. I assume uh, everywhere else as well, except um, in America, where it can't be solved. Except in America, <laughs> you know, you know. Back in Europe, we are okay with uh, you know Huawei. Um, yes, it looks. I mean, the, the commercials, of course, uh, way oversell the feature. There's one of them. I don't know if it's international or not, but there's a couple. Uh, on a on a balcony, very nice apartment. They're on the balcony outside, looking at the sky, and then they zoom in on the moon, and they have this uh, <laughs> this CGI effect where the actual moon becomes big enough so that it's <laughs> it's basically in front of their eyes, uh, which is of course you're not gonna get. And they yeah, say like make so objects fifty times bigger or stuff like that. Um, I don't know if it's technically fifty times bigger or not, but it looks impressive. Yeah, in case you don't know what this this Huawei P30 can do, 
It's kind of two things. It can do five times optical zoom and 50 times digital zoom. And it's very impressive. I'll put a link to an MKBHD video, of course, in the show notes where he shows it off, as he calls it uh, creeper cam. It's very impressive. And the way that they do it is even more impressive. It is a periscope system with a bunch of mirrors that go down the body of the phone. It's wild the way that they do this. Like, effect- it's like a submarine. It's a submarine, yeah. It's got a submarine camera inside. It's it's. I think it's incredible. Like this is, this is like some real serious like smartphone camera advancement. Like this is serious stuff, right? Mm-hmm. They they have actually built a completely different way to put a camera on a smartphone, which is why it's cool, right? I expect to see this type of feature in more places now because this is how you make this is how you advance smartphone cameras, right? Like these are the things that you start to do if you want to start replacing all cameras is like things like this you know you're never going to get there but you get closer all the time and a five times optical zoom in a smartphone is incredible i mean like people are calling this right now like the p30 is the camera which is wild that something's been Mm. able to like in some people's minds start to knock the pixel right but like people are going crazy just for this camera unit in general like everything that they've done with it the regular camera is like 40 megapixels i know that megapixels don't mean everything but They've they've thrown some serious hardware into it and and they've backed it up with some innovations. It's it's a very cool looking thing, um, and I want that. I want a five times optical zoom. Like I like my two times optical zoom. I would like more of the zooms, please. Five is better than two. So that is not? what they tell yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, if we're talking about, I want a good night mode. Apparently, their night mode is oh, like yes. the best night mode too. Like their night mode is like killer. Uh, even again better than uh, this was uh, Vlad at the Verge uh, he did a video like showing off the night mode comparisons and like the Huawei P30's nighttime shooting is better than night sight even though Huawei also has their own version of night sight so even without that software thing turned on it's still better at low light photos it's crazy, right, that Huawei has been able to do this in just because until a few years ago, you wouldn't think of Huawei as a, as a good camera phone company, right? Uh, well, I don't really think you thought of them as anything more than just like a cheap phone company, cheap iPhone copycat, yeah. maybe at some point. Yeah. Oh well, I mean their software's still an absolute rip of iOS, like which is yeah. it's so frustrating to see that like you have this incredible hardware that you are like really innovating on. Do something with the software, like make it its own thing like they they yeah. from iconography to everything they rip off ios still which is so annoying it's too bad and it's also too bad that you know people just don't care about this stuff mm-hmm. people say oh it's just like the iphone and it doesn't cost you know 1500 euros um, and also so, i really yeah. love that they put all these like colors and finishes on the backs of the phones like they have these like purple yeah. and blue rainbowy or like it's just different right like it just looks different um, yeah, I think it's cool. I, I, I would. I, I am very keen for some new stuff in the cameras. Anyway, like, just I like more. You know. Um, Do you feel like the iPhone's camera has gotten a little boring over the past couple of years? I mean, I know that you are a smart HDR hater. I love it. Nah, so, like, I think it's gotten better. Okay, a little better. Okay. Maybe. I mean, so I'm really yeah. happy with the smart HDR stuff, but I want. I now want um I want more cameras in the same way that I wanted a second camera when second cameras started being a thing right before they were on mm. the iPhone because at first it was like well why would you have two cameras like do you remember the LG 3D phone <laughs> you take 3D photos do you remember that 
Um, this is a long oh, yes. time ago, oh right? So like I also remember the Amazon phone with a bunch of cameras. Yes, yeah, exactly. So like <laughs> at first, it was like more than one camera was like, well, this is dumb. And then when people started putting three and four cameras on phones, it's like, well, this is dumb. But now it's like, oh, okay, this is this is useful now. Like putting an ultra wide lens on a phone, there is some utility to that. You can get a different type of photo. So now I now want that where before I didn't. So now I'm like, all right, give me more cameras. I want I want more cameras. Give me more cameras. If you're going to give me a camera bump, put all the cameras in it. Just cover them with black coating so it doesn't make me freak <laughs> out. And then uh, I'll take them all, please. Yeah. Mm. Maybe Tim Cook has that, like, trypophobia. So that's why they're doing uh, the, you know, like, that's why. I, th- I think uh, I actually can see Eddie Q as a trypophobia type of person. Like, he doesn't give off that vibe that he would have this kind of phobia, but I think it's, it's totally Eddie uh, with trypophobia. I think I I can see it. It's so him. me, you, and Eddie were on a special club of people freaked <laughs> out by holes in things. <laughs> yes. You saw that yes. Nokia phone, right, with the five cameras? Yep. Can't look at that I thing. I did. Nope. Oh. <laughs> nope. Um, All right. Yeah. If you want to catch Bad. our show notes for today, go to relay.fm slash connected slash 240. We're very excited that Stephen should be back next week. Um, I hope he's back next week. I miss him. Don't tell him that, though. Should be back. Should mm-hmm. be back. Hopefully. We'll see. Maybe. Mm. Uh, Federico, uh, maxstories.net. There was still a bunch of stuff uh, last week that went up for the 10th anniversary, so people should go and read a lot of those things if they haven't already. Uh, you can find Federico online. He is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, on the social networks, and I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks to FreshBooks, Bombas, and Text Expander for their support of this show. Um, I'm looking forward to handing over the hosting duties back to Steven uh next week you know i I like being the host every now and then but it's nice to be able to just sit back and let the episode kind of just happen to you but anyway this show is part of relay fm you can go to relay.fm slash shows to find this show and many more and uh we'll be back next week until then say goodbye federico arrivederci cheerio